I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Episode 2, The Lambo Lawyer Stole My Girlfriend. This is Peter Larvac. Basically, I, I haven't told many people these stories. Most people don't know about them, but there's witnesses to back it all up. Mm. In this story, we call him the Lambo lawyer. He's actually a barrister. And that's important because barristers make a shitload more money. Enough to pay for a bright yellow Lamborghini that costs half a million dollars. Pete's still a practicing barrister. And even while we're recording this podcast, he was defending a man accused of rape. In this episode, you'll hear anyone that knows Peter, the haters and the lovers say the same thing. He might dress like a bum, but he's a bloody good barrister. Solicitors and barristers are both lawyers. A solicitor deals directly with the public. And I'm talking about the criminal justice system. If someone's in trouble, they go to a solicitor's office, directly talk to a solicitor. He gets instructions, prepares the case. Then a solicitor will then brief a barrister to do the work in court. So the barrister's the mouthpiece. He's the guy that goes to court, cross-examines witnesses, calls evidence, uh, addresses the jury, deals with the legal arguments before the judge. So the barrister is the mouthpiece. The solicitor is assisting in the preparation of the case and the running of the case. It's a day rate for a barrister. Oh, mate, I normally charge 5000 a day. 5000 a day? I won't get out of bed for under 5000 a day. Some barristers charge 10 20 even 30 What's the fascination with the law? There's only one area of law that's worth doing. In my book, that's criminal law. All the other stuff is batshit boring. I couldn't do conveyancing or civil law or commercial law. Criminal law is where the action is. I've done over 100 murder trials and every one of them have been fun prosecuting and defending. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Peter actually didn't want to be a lawyer. He wanted to be a doctor, but for lots of reasons that didn't work out. Mainly because he was more interested in chasing girls than he was chasing grades. He told me that law is his least favourite activity. He's got other things that he loves much more, like himself. What I do these days, I pump iron in the gym every day and I race my Lamborghini. They're my main interests. Mm -hmm. And defending. Defending. Criminals. Do you know what? It's interesting you ask me that because... Out of all my favourite activities, law would be right down at the bottom of the list, right down the bottom. And there are several reasons for this. Number one, 
I think that our criminal justice system is seriously broken. The second reason is there are a number of judges and magistrates on the bench who have no business holding judicial office. Fortunately, there are only a very small few. But when you've got a guy like that on the bench who's an obnoxious, arrogant bully that takes all the fun out of a trial, I sometimes mentor younger barristers and younger solicitors and they've confided in me that when they have to appear before a particular judge or magistrate who's a renowned bully, they have to go to the bathroom first and throw up. Now, that shouldn't happen in the workplace. And the only way to deal with bullies like that is stand up to them. And that takes all the fun out of a trial when you're butting heads with an arsehole like that on the bench. And the solicitors and barristers that are listening to this would know who those people are. Everyone knows who they are. They know who they are. When they listen to this podcast, they'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah. And of course, you wouldn't mention who No, I can't. I can't. What would happen if you did, Peter? Oh, I'd be sued for defamation. I can only mention this uh, in um, the privilege of Parliament. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it outside Parliament, no. But it's, it's a shame because... Individuals like that, and thank God there's only a small few, they take all the fun out of a criminal trial. Criminal trials are good fun. I love nothing more than a murder trial. Peter fancies himself as a bit of a ladies' man. Now stay with me here. Sure, right now he's a 70-something-year-old bloke with the cream bun stain on his black top, dishevelled hair, tracksuit pants, but in his day he was a good-looking rooster. There's an image I've seen of Pete standing next to a Harley. He's got his shirt off, bulging muscles, tanned, chiselled face. Let's just push pause here for a moment. In every episode, Peter gets to hear them before they get released. When he heard that last bit of the podcast about that he used to be a good-looking rooster, Peter wanted me to alter it to say, I think he's still a good-looking rooster. We didn't agree on that change, but we did agree that I would change it to say Peter thinks he's still a good-looking rooster. Let's call it a compromise. Either way, in past or present tense, Peter had model good looks. Peter told me he actually did do some modelling work. That was between the acting and the pro-wrestling. I kid you not, Peter was a pro-wrestler. Let's cut to you at uni. You end up going to Sydney Uni. Sydney but uni, studying medicine. Yeah, not studying law. So no, talk no. to me about my, medicine. My Why? original plan was to be a doctor. I got a very good pass at high school and I was admitted to medicine and I studied medicine for three years. One of the big things that happened to me at uni at that time, I met an amazing guy named Richard Drake who was a champion wrestler. He was one of Australia's best wrestlers. And I bumped into him in the gym one day at the HK Ward where I was pumping iron. And Richard taught me how to wrestle. And he changed my life enormously. He had a big impact on my life. He not only taught me how to wrestle, he taught me how to fight. And he taught me how to never, ever take a step backward. And that guy has had a massive impact on my life. So, Peter, 
wrestling in those days wasn't the WWE that we see. No, no. This is this is proper wrestling. This is fair income, yeah. proper wrestling. This was amateur wrestling, which they do in the Olympic Games. I had aspirations of getting to the Olympics, but that never happened. I wasn't good enough. Later on, I switched to pro, professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I wrestled pro for about two years under a very renowned promoter named Hal Morgan, who had a stable of wrestlers at that time. And the reason I did that, I was trying to put myself through uni. I used to fight sometimes three, four times a week. It was mm-hmm. pretty good money, yep. much better money than I would have earned in a nine-to-five job. And by wrestling at night, I was able to do uni and studies in the daytime. When, when I was pro wrestling, it was very interesting because... I was constantly carrying injuries because you have to learn how to fall properly, but I was constantly injuring my elbows, my knees, but that was more than made up for and compensated for by the women who used to wait outside the dressing room um, after a match to give me their phone numbers. That was pretty cool. One guy was waiting outside one night. This was particularly interesting. And he had a girl with him who he introduced me to as his 19-year-old daughter. And he was obviously a big fan because he's shaking my hand and telling me how great I was in the ring. I was sweating, covered with sweat, rippling muscles. So he was obviously very impressed. And he told me how much his daughter loved it as well. And then... (laughs) To my astonishment, he then said to me, look, take my daughter out for a drink or coffee somewhere. I'm going to go home. You young kids have some fun. So I was pretty amazed that this middle-aged guy is pimping out his 19-year-old daughter to me, a guy he'd never met, only seen in the ring with glistening, sweating muscles, and he's introducing me to his young daughter. And I suspected it was not just for my pleasure and her pleasure, but I think also for his pleasure. I think he got a kick out of that. It's like hearing one of your mates sit around at a bar telling stories of how good he was back in the day. When you hear those sorts of stories, you might think, that's bullshit, that never happened. But as we researched Peter's story... All of his stories are true, every single one of them. I'd like to introduce you to Brian Kilworth. Now, Brian is what Peter would call a hater. He's not a fan of Peter, and there's a pretty good reason for it. But before we get the Lambo lawyer's side of the story, let's chat with Brian on how he and Peter met. Well, it's... um going back a long time that it's a virtually a love triangle. In 1965 when I was called up for national service, I was with a girl and, and she was at university and then when I was going to Vietnam as um, uh, she came back into my life and we had a, a whirlwind relationship and, uh, and that was a full on in commitment and uh, I went off to Vietnam and I got... Um, uh, daily letters from her for about six months, and suddenly, as you would imagine, in it came to it uh, to an end um, with a Dear John letter. And uh, I saw her on the first day when I re- returned from Vietnam, and she told me she'd met this guy who was doing medicine at uh, Sydney Uni, and she'd gone back there as well to do pharmacy, and uh, and she was pregnant. 
So to recap, Brian met a girl, had a relationship with her, and then went over to Vietnam to fight in the war. While he was there, his girlfriend met another bloke and got pregnant with twins. And when Brian got home, she called it off and went off with her new man. Guess who that new man was? That's right, Peter Larvac, the Lambo lawyer. The weird thing is, Brian and Peter didn't know each other back then. And 50 years later, in some sort of weird sliding doors Gwyneth Paltrow moment, they meet. Peter continues the story. And then when he finished the story, I looked him in the eye and I said, mate, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I'm the other guy. I said, well, Pete, you can stop right there. I said, I know all about you. I said, and as as a joke, I said, while I was in uh, Vietnam fighting my, my queen and country, you were banging my girlfriend. And he said, man, we're brothers. <laughs> he said, we're blood brothers. Uh, I'll never forget it. Um, yeah, so he was absolutely intrigued by it all and has been ever since. Uh, and every time I see him, I suppose he, he wants to, he quite often wants to talk about that. A pretty identical story. Peter's not added much GST to it. It is how he says it was. And Pete doesn't mind telling the world that he stole Brian's girlfriend while Brian was off fighting the war. Yes, yeah, but he he goes to lengths to say that he said, I didn't know anything about you. And, you know, and and if I had, I certainly wouldn't have done it, which was absolutely bullshit because he would. He's got such an ego that uh, nobody can get in Peter's way. I mean, let's pause for a moment and learn more about the girl on the trampoline. The girl on the trampoline is the same girl that Peter ended up having twins with. The same girl that was originally going out with Brian Kilworth. Pete's good mate, Bill Dawson, explains the day they met. It's vaguely in my memory. It wasn't as important to me as it was to him, apparently. But I do remember it. Uh, Yeah, I was in there that day and... The trampoline was over in the corner where the boxing ring should have been. This girl, you know, watching the people jumping up and down, said, you want to get on? Yeah, right, I'll get on. So she jumps on. All the boys standing around the trampoline, getting a good view up a dress. Yeah, I walked over and had a look and thought, oh, I can't look at this. I'm a good Catholic boy. I walked away. <laughs> but Peter was obviously taken with it because, um, yeah, he was taking this girl out. I can't think of a name then. Yeah, so he whisked her away after that, I believe, up to the Fisher Library. Deepened their relationship, shall we say. Is that the same girl that Peter ended up having kids with? Yeah, she had twins, I believe. How do you know Peter? Oh, well, I used to go down the gym, and uh, at the time I was just doing a bit of weight training. Later on, I did a bit of amateur boxing. But at, the, at that time, I was just doing some weight training. And uh, Peter was down there doing the same thing. He was into this uh, freestyle amateur wrestling. He was pretty good at it too, you know. He, uh, I think he was on the short list for selection at the Olympics sometime after that. I remember seeing him wrestle down at Brighton. He changed his name to Peter Wayne. <laughs> and the girl shrieked, you know. So he looked apart, you know. So he was pretty muscular. Girls loved him. He loved him too. So not much much has changed. (laughs) No, he 
he's, having, he's been it's been a one-sided love affair. <laughs> no, he's a great bloke, actually. You just gotta not take him all that seriously, you know. Well, he's fair dinkum. If he doesn't like you, he won't have anything to do with you. Uh, you know, he's always been like that. And oh, we we're very similar. I suppose I'm not narcissistic. I'm probably the other one around. How he makes up for my deficiencies. But no, Peter's good. Peter and Brian are regulars around Manly in Sydney. And from time to time, they run into each other at the local cafe. I'll often see him and uh, and you can guarantee that if he calls me over, it's to tell me a story about himself. You know, and it's, it's all, life's all about Peter. And that's the, and he's, that he's a self-confessed uh, egomaniac. Um, he, he, he doesn't, shy away from that and I respect that uh, you know if, if I'm with friends having coffee or that and he shows his shows his head um, they all turn away and they don't you know and ask him not to please don't bring him over here you know um, so he, he doesn't enjoy a great reputation around town but uh, look he's certainly uh, certainly a character Now, this is not supposed to be a character assassination on our Lambo lawyer. It's just to show the difference in what he drives, how he acts, what he does for a living, and then how his friends and enemies see him. Well, he's described by most people as a bum, as a a homeless person. He he, he, uh, he wears wears tracky dacks summer and winter, winter, uh, and... uh, and in the winter, a, a, a jumper, and the, in the summer, a t-shirt, and that's repeated. That's in probably the same pair of, pair of shoes. Uh, fashion, I wouldn't think, is part of his makeup. He uh, he just does the uh, the rounds in uh, in Manly. He's on his push bike or something, or or he's he, sometimes he drives his car. Uh, the uh, the big yellow job into the middle of Manly and park it there all for, uh, for show. Ryan tells us some of the good bits about Peter. Most people um, wouldn't agree with me, but most people don't know him. Uh, and, and periphery people who don't know him, have, um, have, you know, and, and he's quickly, easily picked as a target for them because um, they don't understand him. So I'm, 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 I'm certainly not a Peter hater. Now remember, Brian is on that list Peter gave us, the list to offer some balance, the list to show some of the people who don't like him. But Brian was pretty surprised by this. Now that surprises me because he, he mentioned the other day, he said, good, uh, you get, might get a call. He said, and there's some people on the list because the podcast wants balance. Um, don't like me and, and I've always uh, when he was going to do the insight program on narcissism he told me about that and he said I'm going to tell this, that story about you and I and, and the girlfriend and uh, he said it's, don't worry about it there's uh, no main, names mentioned but quite complimentary to you I would consider that he uh, considers me a friend In a future episode, we'll find out more about that girl, the mother of Peter's twins, the children that were adopted, how the relationship with those kids is now, 
and also Peter's other son that we mentioned in episode one. But right now, Brian tells the story of Peter going to talk to the parents of his newly stolen girlfriend. And uh, I said, well, okay, what's going to happen about that? And she said, well, he's coming up to see see my parents and sort things out. Of course, things weren't sorted out. Peter did see the the parents and uh, told them in no uncertain terms that that wasn't part of his plan. And so uh, uh, she had the the, uh, the children adopted out, two uh, twins. Maybe we should leave the last words to Peter. Brian Kilworth is the guy whose fiancée I stole when he was away fighting in the Vietnam War. So he's got every right in the world to hate me and resent me. And you still see Brian today? Occasionally I bump into him. He's very friendly to me on the surface, but I think deep down he hates my guts. If I said try to be more humble around people, then I, I don't think that would work anyway. You know, look, and he's not an aggressive person. He would love to be loved, adored by you know people in the, the, the village of Manly where I live. If you walk past, he'd like to think that those people respected him. The advice—I I, I don't know if I could—if I could really think of anything that, that he might take on board. Or in the next episode of the Lambo Lawyer, Peter saves lives. And as I looked out to sea, I'd see two dark heads bobbing up and down in the boiling sea, quite a long way out. And I knew we had a rescue. Saves the judge. And the prisoner suddenly spat the dummy, uh, jumped out of the dock. There was no glass protection there or anything. There were no guards around him. And he jumped out of the dock onto the bar table. From the bar table, he jumped onto the floor and started sprinting towards the judge, screaming, I'm going to kill you, you old cunt. And has a near-death experience small lesion on the prostate luckily it was early stage low grade that's next time on the lambo lawyer if i was less kind i'd i could be highly critical uh i know i could call him a uh, uh, egocentric um, uh, narcissist maniac Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.